0: great future we're talking real money
1: welcome to talking real money on a very strange podcast week um but we're doing no, we're back on track now uh i'm don mcdonald sitting here in my florida studio uh right over there is tom cock sitting in his office in washington
2: i'm the only guy who's wear headphones anymore I, now you get you get rid of the headphones you look well, like a have, i'm in a
1: studio so i yeah. have speakers in the studio you on the other hand, do not.
2: I know. Sad but moment. you know, it hides your ears, which is <laughs> which is probably good. If I could figure out other body parts it could hide, that might help too, but that's a whole other thing. Well, those are below camera. You know, so <laughs> thankfully yeah. Below the
1: camera angle. Uh, glad you could join us for this edition of Talking Real Money. Today, we're going to, uh, of course, talk about money and answer some of your questions that come in uh, at 855-935-TALK or via our website, TalkingRealMoney.com. But first, this is a subject we've talked about before. You know what a balanced portfolio is, right? It is 60% stocks, 40% bonds, broadly diversified. It used to be the S&P 500. Typically, it has been the S&P 500 and a portfolio of widely diversified bonds. There are a lot of people, for a variety of reasons, who like to tell you that the 60-40 portfolio is an anachronism. It's a thing of the past. It's seen its day. It's over. It's done. It's gone. It's dead. It's history. Well, we're not sure it is first, but it's always interesting to see what they suggest, isn't it, Tom?
2: Well, this is the key point, right? I mean, so, okay, that's not going to work anymore what do i do but let's first just first does it, is it has it stopped working Yeah, let's I, get I'm a little, pers- that. little perspective here because if you go back and look and by the way you very correctly point out that generally if you say 60 40 people think 60% of the money's in the standard and poor's 500 40% is in bonds we're going to tell you that is an anachronism that that is something you should avoid you really should be in a very globally diversified portfolio of stocks which would have you owning nine And in some cases, 13,000 companies and then bonds. But let's just take a look at a few of the numbers because our friends, and I call them our friends because they are, at Dimensional Fund Advisors just sent me, in case you need to catch up on your reading, the numbers.
1: They must be 40 years old now or something. This
2: is their matrix book. This has... You could sit around and go through numbers. Open through.
1: up the matrix book I mean, just so is, people's eyes can glaze I mean, over. Just,
2: this is fascinating because as year by year returns of all these various asset mm-hmm. classes. You gotta if be pretty a much data a nerd. Fiend, you're gonna yeah. love this. That a fiend. Nice way to say nerd. You gotta be a real nerd to go through it. I leafed through it in about 10 minutes. The people here that care about numbers. They spend hours pouring through this thing. I don't do that. But I did go back and look just out of curiosity to see how that balanced portfolio has worked. Let's go back twenty years through the end of last year, and it earned seven point six percent a year. Is this global? That's global. Okay. Global stock portfolio, 40% bonds. Correct. Okay. 7.6 a year. If you go back a little further, if you have a really long retirement, or leading up to retirement, and then a few years after that. 9.9% for a 35-year return. Now, okay, part of the pull apart there is obviously bond yields, and this is part of the argument that 60-40 won't work, are much lower than they were in the mid-1980s. I get that. So as you correctly point out, Don, so are interest rates. So you are making more on your fixed income, Mm -hmm. but you're paying more for your whatever money you borrowed, et cetera, et cetera. So so 20 years, 7.5%. Generally, for most people in retirement, that would be plenty enough return on your money to sustain your portfolio.
1: As a matter of fact, even at a lower rate, assuming that stock prices don't do better than bonds to offset some of this, let's just assume the overall return is lower and you get 5% per year from a balanced portfolio on average. For most people in retirement, that's a good number. It's enough, and you just have
2: to deal with the volatility. Okay, but let's assume you agree with the author who said, nah, that's not going to work anymore. Bonds aren't making any money. By the way, we can make a lot of arguments about how quickly that could all change, but let's assume they're correct. Then you get into the question of, okay, what do you own instead of stocks and bonds? That's what I'm waiting to hear. Yeah, this author offers up farmland. So I should go buy a farm? Yes. And I know somebody you could buy one from because he's the largest farmland owner in the United States, lives not far from here, and he's going to need to sell some of his assets or he's already in the process of selling some. His name is Bill Gates. He's the largest farmland owner in the United States. By the way, the reason timber prices may be going up is that Bill's buying so much lumber to divide the lands between him and his soon-to-be ex-wife. Yeah. That's, that's uh, true. I get it. So- Uh, no, in all seriousness, I doubt Mr. Gates that you're going to want to go buy and actually produce. Are you wondering
1: now why that woman months ago said that Don was the funny one? (laughs) True.
2: That's that hurt, but now I'm going to have to go with it. Okay. Uh, okay. So I decided, well, let's look up. How could you go own farmland? Because you're probably not going to want to actually go to Minnesota and buy a dairy farm or something. That's.
1: Well, you could go to the land and ranch catalog online. There's a website you can go out and buy farms. But I can't see buying a farm. Matter of fact, the last person I could see buying a farm would be you.
2: Yeah, I did um, actually stay on a farm once for a week when I was a young, young person, so I could see how it all worked. But you, that's a lot. You would time,
1: though so. be the best dressed farmer.
2: Oh yeah, you gotta like that. The tie gives me everybody. A yeah,
1: everybody would marvel at the farmer
2: in the tie. So instead, you're gonna maybe own a real estate investment trust that is farm focused. Right. Yeah.
1: Right. That's really the only way to buy farms in a semi diversified
2: portfolio. Well, that's a good point because they're really not that diversified because you're owning a REIT. The REIT is like a single stock. Mm-hmm. Um, you could own, well, but farm- they own
1: multiple pieces. They of do property own more, but the but
2: still, the diversification wouldn't be as much as we would like. Right? I mean, that's like saying General Electric is diversified because they have many different divisions. They make a bunch of different stuff. Farmland Partners FPI is one you could own, or the Gladstone Land Corporation L A N D is another. Now these are single REITs, not REIT funds. We do use REIT funds in our portfolio, but they hold thousands of individual REITs in them.
1: Wait, that brings me to a question. Farmland is only a tiny part of the overall real estate market in America or around the world, right? Yes. So if you owned either a U.S. or a globally diversified real estate investment trust fund or ETF, like those from Vanguard and others,
2: wouldn't you own farmland? I had a sense you might ask me that, but I didn't have time to look it up. I don't know that. But you do. No, I've looked it up. You do. You do. do. Okay. Because I mean, I know those are mainly, you know, like uh, apartment buildings and malls and commercial type of real estate.
1: You see, Vanguard is trying to buy the entire real estate index. Mm. Therefore, farmland is going to be in that. Plus, by the way, if you own a diversified portfolio of stocks, and you have agricultural firms within that, many of the bigger ag firms own a lot of their land. Uh, Some of the big ones like Dole and Del Monte own a lot of land. Uh, uh, Cargill, they own land. These guys own land.
2: Yeah. And here's something I would not do to try to own farmland or farmland products. I would not go out and buy a commodities fund That is a completely different purchase than owning farm land. I'll put it that way.
1: Commodities funds are a means by which to speculate on the price movement of a particular commodity, whether it be a farm commodity or a precious metal commodity or a petroleum commodity. Those commodities fluctuate in price, but they don't make money. A farmer grows them from seed. And so, therefore is making money from the commodity. Commodities funds are just about swapping wealth around.
2: So this is not something I would do, nor recommend, nor do our clients use them. So this would not be, I I think the 60-40 is very much alive, has been alive, and I would not, I hope this is going to be okay, move my portfolio to farmland. (laughs) That's the symbol of one of those, isn't it? I know, yeah, I really... M- That's the glad O-O. the glad one, yeah. The Gladland? No, Gladland is. I don't la that right. That's Gladstone. Uh, but ooh, Moo is one okay. of them. Not neither the ones I just mentioned. Farmland partners. So no. You know, I
1: wonder. I wonder though. That makes me think though. A lot of these companies own their own farmland. You know that uh, Dole owns farmland mm-hmm, all course. over the country, uh, all over the world. They own it in Central America. It makes me wonder if, like Coke, owns its own sugar plantations.
2: Are going to do the Coca-Cola thing now?
1: Well, you know, I thought I would give you, because there was no uh, there was no obvious segue to the story you want to tell.
2: I want to tell, but you've already told me I, not I, to I, tell. No,
1: so. I, I decided you can tell it because then I can make fun.
2: <laughs> so uh, before we get to your questions, a very well-known, perhaps, I think he's number one on Instagram athlete. His name is Cristiano Ronaldo. I think he has the most followers. He's,
1: he's number 412 on American Instagram.
2: Yeah, but globally. Right. I, but globally, I understand. But I we're trying to that. not yeah. be so parochial here. We're trying to, you know, get away from just the things that we have an interest in. So this is a story about soccer. This is a story about one of the biggest stars. Right now, the Euro Cup is going on in Europe. And he is the star of Portugal. He's one of the most well-known athletes, as I say. And he had a news conference recently where he sat down and at the the table were two bottles of Coke. He pushed the bottles of Coke over to the side. He picked up his water bottle and said, agua. And it turns out that he is not a fan of Coca-Cola, nor by the way, any other soft drinks. He thinks soft drinks are a bad thing to ingest. He's 36. He's taken great care of himself. He apparently doesn't drink alcohol nor Coke, doesn't eat fast food, etc. And what happened, the, the, the reason it comes up on a money program is the minute... Well, very shortly after he said that, the price of stock, the price of Coca-Cola stock dipped, I think it was like one and a half percent, $4 billion came off its market cap. I don't know. Maybe it's recovered. Maybe it's
1: recovered some since then. The bubbles have pushed it it
2: back up again. But it's a fascinating story to me that this international soccer star could drive the price of Coca-Cola down so dramatically by simply pushing the Coca-Cola to the side.
1: I honestly think you found it fascinating because it's a famous soccer player. And by the way, isn't there always some sort of global soccer tournament going on somewhere? I hope so. For me, I mean, it's like we got the Euro Cup and the CONCACAF and the… That's the Gold Cup, yes. All these cups. There's always a cup somewhere. I know. And next December from
2: Qatar, you'll have the World Cup. Do, it, do any of these soccer players ever get to rest you know actually that's a fair criticism and I think that's an issue they do sort of play year-round and they play they run a lot when they play so yeah I imagine a hard, that's hard on all of them so
1: and and uh, are they ever gonna change the way they score so
2: that the games are more fun to watch It's eight yards wide by eight feet tall kick the ball in there there's plenty of room get it done <laughs> yeah,
1: slow. I mean, there's a lot of running around, but I'm watching it going.
2: Something going to happen soon? That, th- I think the correct way to put it, there was a woman I dated in college who said soccer seems like, eh, eh, no, eh, eh, no. It's like, anyway, so don't like that. But she, maybe she was right. She so was
1: kind of like her dating
2: life. <laughs> I'm going to eh, let eh, you no. No. have that one. Eh, eh, no. <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> At least when she was dating Tom. Exactly. Eh, eh, no. Thank you. No. No. No goal for you.
2: Exactly. <laughs> goal! Summing up my career in many ways.
1: All right. right. So uh, thanks for sharing that little ditty with us. You like it Made that. all of our days brighter. Thank you. Now it's time for a question. And we're going to go to questions sent in because, and this is a question I raised on yesterday's podcast. Do we now have a problem speaking to each other it, with our voices? Is this a, a thing now? we get more questions typed up than questions
2: called in i don't, i think there's a lot of people who don't want to hear their voice on the podcast
1: but we want to hear your voice on the I podcast i think it's a pleasant it thing but mixes things up and it gets just my voice off the podcast or and by the way those of you who complain about the computer's reading questions call in your own darn questions then uh, let me find it here. I had it and I changed screens and I got to go. All right. So, the, people, you know, what and now mess- I have to work it because of the company. I have to work in Outlook now, which is just like making me crazy. I have to go to Outlook and then to Mac
2: Mail and back. Okay. And but just anyway. to make sure that I'm understanding your previous note, you would what? like people to call and leave their questions verbally rather than typing them.
1: Correct. Okay. Sir, yes. At 855 935 TALK. Or if you have an aversion to speaking into a telephonic device of some sort, you can speak your question at TalkingRealMoney.com. There's a little microphone button. Click it.
2: Talk. You can do it. Don I'm finds sure you your calls. you have a lovely voice. Your calls to be more moving than typed calls. No.
1: only people watching the video got that <laughs> response by the way you can watch our videos on youtube on our youtube channel please do which by the way you're your entreaty to the employees to subscribe how'd that go had no impact Once <laughs> like again, everything else <laughs> they yes. did not listen to you we went from 340 before your meeting yep. to 343
2: that's that's like who you know what? Ten percent, one percent? No, 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 less than
1: one. All
2: right. Well, uh-huh. it felt good.
1: They didn't listen to you. Okay, this is a question again <laughs> yes. about I series savings bonds. Yes, we get a lot of these lately since we mm-hmm. brought them up. Mm-hmm. I was listening to your podcast, and the I series savings bond caught my interest. I need my emergency fund, but do not get any interest on it. But, do I just purchased on TreasuryDirect.gov? We are debt-free and just entering retirement, and all looks good. I understand emergency fund, but have not used it since we saved it and have slowly added to it as a hedge. I understand I may forfeit some interest if I cash in early, but I've gotten nothing for the past 10 years. How quick can I get my money out? Most likely as quickly as moving in a bank, just looking for reassurance for safety and ease of use. My wife and I could each put in $10,000 per
2: I think that's fine. Again, the the point is, and I don't remember what it's paying today. I think we looked it up. at one Three point
1: five four
2: is the current is
1: rate on the I savings bond.
2: Pretty good deal. Um, yeah, so you're, but you're not going to get all of that if you wake up in six months and need the money.
1: You can't get any of it, by the way, if you wake up in six months is and it, need the money.
2: How long do you have to let it? I forget. One. One year. That's right. One year to get. One year. It. Yeah.
1: Then so. it becomes available with only a three month interest penalty previous That's 3 right. months interest. So it's not a great emergency fund for the first it's not the best for the first 5 years. It's not good at all for the first 1 year. So make sure you have a year of expenses the first year and then some of that can start moving in there.
2: Can I make a a, a point here I, this I think this is true by the way for only people who are working and who don't have post-tax money. If you have post-tax money, right? Not, you know, qualified money stocks and bonds, you could always sell something in your bond portfolio and use that for an emergency fund. So I don't know that if you're, you don't, so you don't really need an emergency fund. In other words, emergency fund is designed to make you less money, but be more liquid. You have liquidity in your bond portfolio, post-tax, regular post-taxable broker's type of account. You could sell those, Mm -hmm. that could be your emergency fund. So in many cases, I'm not sure you really need one unless you're you're really just saving money free tax.
1: I like the idea of just having a few thousand dollars sitting in a, a savings type account just so I don't have to go liquidate anything and, and incur some capital gains or capital losses that I have to deal with. Uh, so at least a few months, but, uh, the, I bought, I, I bought the, I, yes, you did. You did
2: it very publicly.
1: Yeah. Um, and, uh, now I've just kind of forgotten that it's there. I'm, I figure in November, if things keep going the way they're going, I'll get another 3% rate for another six months or so, which is great. I'll be happy. Thank you all for being a part of the podcast. Um, if you want to watch this, go to our YouTube channel. You can watch the exact same thing, except with our ugly mugs involved. Uh, what else? Oh, uh, we appreciate it when you tell people about the podcast. It's called spreading the good word. And if you really like us leave a review at apple podcasts we enjoy them the good ones not the bad ones and call 855-935-TALK with your questions or go to talkingrealmoney.com and here is our big offer that we've been doing for 10 years you ready you have a really complicated portfolio it is going to make for a very long and very boring phone call to the radio show or a ridiculously long typed question, and you don't want your fingers to ache because you're getting older. <laughs> so if you need help with that weirdly diversified portfolio, and you, you know you have those, you know you do, where the pieces don't make sense, you just bought this because it was hot and that because you thought it was going to do well and your broker told you to do stupid stuff, and you got some C shares and some B shares and some Q and R shares. Well, you need to meet with an advisor, but you're afraid to, aren't you? Aren't you? You're afraid to. So, I'm going to try and sell you something. We won't. We have an investment advisory firm called Vestry, and we help people. Right,
2: Tom? We do. I mean, here's the other thing to consider: even if you have a very what you believe to be fine portfolio that does not involve any commission products that does not involve high expense products. It's a good review because we will put your portfolio into, I think, very sophisticated software and say, you're really not as diversified as you should be. You really don't own the things you need to own. And you maybe take more risk than you believe. Most people, by the way, they go through this process, they are surprised and they end up making changes, whether they hire us or not.
1: Right. And that's the whole point is we want you to be a better investor because we want everybody to have a better future. We're not selfish. Uh, And we also realize that this is a great way to build our business because of word of mouth. It actually works. So, yeah, we are selfish to a degree. We're human. So if you want to set up an appointment, go to vestory.com, V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com, and scroll down to the appointment setting area or just punch one of the buttons that says you want to meet with somebody. We'll set up a meeting free, no obligation, no sales pitch, okay? Okay. Thanks for being there. I'm Don. That's Tom. We
0: talk real money. Talking real money. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That's a wrap.